attention to the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke. There are four accounts of the one gospel. You want to remember that. There's only one gospel. But there are four accounts of that, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're in Luke's account this morning. I would like to focus your attention on one verse in this 16th chapter of the book of Luke and verse 16. Luke 16, verse 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. That means every person. Don't be offended, ladies. Everybody presses into it. And everybody said hallelujah. All right. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. The uh, example, one example that I'd like to give you, beginning here, is found in Mark chapter 5. And it's something that maybe you're familiar with, but I'd like for you to listen to it again. Verse 21 said, And when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him. And he was nigh or near unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, she'd been hemorrhaging for 12 years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, when it said here that she came in the press behind, it meant that there was a crowd around him. That's what it's telling you. The word throng, multitude, crowd. All synonymous terms here. So we've got this great big crowd around him called the press. And this woman's faith is such. Now, she heard of Jesus. And when she heard of him, then she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, this is not something that she said over a microphone. This is what she said within herself. This is how her thought process was going. She was saying in her heart, in her thought process, with her emotions, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. Okay? Now, when she did this, straightway the fountain of her blood, straightway means immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. The hemorrhaging stopped. And she felt in her body, she experienced this. She felt this. It was an experience here in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself, so... She knew in herself, and he knew in himself. And we had a great confirmation here 
of what has just taken place. And we've often said that God works on, His Spirit works on both ends of the line. So, you know, if you get a bright idea, be sure to check with me, okay? All right. Okay, at least if you think it's a bright idea. All right. Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that virtue or power had gone out of Him, turned Him about in the press or in the crowd, in the multitude, in the throng of people, and said, who touched my clothes? And of course, his disciples were, were freaking out here. They were just knocked over on that one. And they said, his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? This seemed so illogical to them. And, and you know, human reasoning, you could, if you're thinking along those lines, then you would probably say and think the same thing. And I'm sure they were a little bit amazed here at his reaction. And I'm also sure that they were very careful with their tone of voice as they said this to him. <laughs> you know, they came, I'm quite sure, tenderly. I mean, if they'd been talking to one another, you know, it would have been something, what's wrong with you, man, you crazy? You know, it would have been something like that, but not to Jesus. They were going to talk to him like that. There was going to be a little bit of respect. They knew him and who they were dealing with and who they were speaking to. And so they, they were very careful to, to use some respect here. So it was more of an amazement. They were befuddled, like, I don't understand why you're asking this question. And so, of course, Jesus, the Bible said, he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, she knew what took place. There was no doubt in her mind, and that's a good place to get, to where you know. We've had people come and say, God doesn't give the Holy Ghost anymore. And we often tell them, well, you've come too late to tell me that. I've already got it. Or God doesn't heal anymore. Well, you've come too late to tell me that because I've already experienced that. So there are people that are, that are very bound by doubt and fear and unbelief that is promoted by human reasoning, even people who carry the Bible, and yet it looks more like it came out of the deli section at Winn-Dixie with all the holes it's got in it. Reminds you more of Swiss cheese than a Bible. For all they can say is God doesn't do this anymore and God doesn't do that anymore and this doesn't happen anymore. And those of us who have experienced then we become witnesses of not only what he's done but what he's doing and what he's still going to be doing until that last trump sounds and he takes his church out of here. So this is definitely the time to get with it. This is definitely the time to not have doubt. This is a period of time when God's grace is so mighty and powerful that no matter how much sin there is, it will never outgun God's grace. God's grace will abound more. God's grace is growing more. God's favor is greater than all of the negative and all of the down talk and all of the unbelief and the fear and the doubt. God's grace is growing. God's grace will always outgrow what the enemy tries to bring in this generation. 
God's grace is going to be greater. It's going to grow faster. Everybody said amen. And I was with the uh, plan review guy the other day. and He was just chock full of all kinds of uh, human reasoning, human thinking. And he told me, he said, uh, he made, I told you the statement he made about the, what are we calling that, the fellowship hall where we're going to eat and have good banquets and lots of wonderful things together. And he, uh, he was all worried about somebody coming out of there drunk, and I had to straighten him out and tell him, no, we don't do that. We're the real thing. We're not involved with those kinds of activities. Uh, we have an experience here. And um, there were other such things that came up at the table that his line of thinking was so different from what we believe based on the experience that we have and the teachings of the Word of God. Many people uh, carry a Bible. Many people will uh, listen to somebody who is trying to say something from the Bible. But unfortunately, very often, uh, those things are not based on the revelation that God gives to sincere hearts through His church. And so he asked me about the soil out here. And he was... Um, asking me about how we were going to build this and what the plan was and the type of soil. And I said, oh, I said, um, I guess you've never heard that uh, the type of soil we have. I said, you see, out in Louisiana, I've been told, that it takes three seeds to bring up one plant there. It's been said by my pastor, one seed to push, one seed to pull, and then one to come up. Whereas I said, in Belglade, sir, I said, you plant one seed, you have to jump back and get out of the way. This is coming up expressly. It's coming up fast track. Okay? And so that was how I explained the soil in Belglade. You know, that's how you want the soil of your heart to be. Because the Word of God is the seed. And it is certified. And you are begotten by the Word. You're birthed, new birthed by the Word of God. And you want to be able to get yourself out of the way. Get your doubt and your fear and your unbelief. This woman looked at the press and said, I'm going to press through the press. I'm going to get through this crowd. I'm going to get through family. I'm going to get through crowd of religion. I'm going to get through so-called friends. I'm going to get through philosophy. I'm going to get through the vain, the worthless teachings of this world. I'm going to get through tradition. I'm going to get through pride. I'm going to get through being distracted. I'm going to press my way through the crowd. And I'm going to press into the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus said. Every person presseth into it. You do not want to shrink back. You do not want to be a scaredy cat. You do not want to be a coward. You do not want to be distracted. You do not want to miss it because of religious teachings. When she heard of him, she got a revelation. The light turned on. You know, I guess that's where Motel 6 got it from. Figured out it's good to get the light on. Well, the best light you can get on is this spiritual light. Let that light get turned on in your heart, in your mind. And let me say this to you. 
And I really didn't mean to get uh, as deep into the, the little woman here. Uh, I wanted to tell you some other things. And I want to make it clear, there is a press and there is a crowd, and that word is used that way. But the word presseth, every man presseth into it, is a different word. It's a different usage. And what it's trying to tell you is that the press, the pressing into, is it not written, I press toward the mark? Well, what that word means is vital activity. Vital activity. If something is vital, that means it's of the greatest importance. It's not something that is weighed down the priority list here, you know. It's not like when, you know, the honeydew comes along and says, you know, could you take out the garbage? Yeah, I'll get to it, you know. And, uh, well, uh, what about the vacuum? Yeah, yeah, I'll get there. You know. um, well, the yard needs picking up. Uh-huh, okay, I've just, you know, in a little bit. You know. And I'm sure that I could name and you could name a lot of things that, that we have a tendency to feel like it's not that important. It's not a right-now thing we got to do. But when you start talking about the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, when you start reading the scripture, Matthew 6, that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do that first. Then it's, this starts rising up on your priorities. When you start realizing. Now, this woman realized because she had a real uh, vested interest here. There was something that got her attention. You know, if, if, if the garbage stinks so bad that my nose gets full and my sinuses start running and I can't stand the stench of it, then the garbage is going to come up the priority list and I'm going to get up and take the garbage out because it's touching me. And I got a vested interest here. It's something that is affecting me. Let me tell you that you need to see the vital importance that your life depends upon you pressing in to the kingdom of God. And that woman said, if I could just do this, I could be healed. I could save my life. This could change everything for the good. For the good. For the good. It needs to become, what I'm saying to you is, Jesus said you must be born again of water and of the Spirit. That's John 3, 3 and 5 or you cannot see or enter into the kingdom of God. Okay? And telling people, gathering them together, 500, above 500 people, and telling them that uh, receive ye the Holy Ghost. That's, a, that's an imperative sentence. The first word understood in parentheses there is you receive the Holy Ghost. It's like saying, open the door, you know. And if Tom was standing at the back looking at me and I said, open the door, he would say, oh, me, open the door. You know, and that's what, praise the Lord, you praise the Lord. You know, and so here we have a, an imperative, a commandment, a, a divine directive to do something. And he said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Don't let this slip down the priority list. Oh, but I, I got to go do this. And, oh, I'm on my way over to do And, oh, I'm, I'm really chasing after this. And, you know, I, I've got these goals, you know, on my list here. You've got to realize 
that there's a lot. I don't want the lawn to overgrow, but the lawn can wait. If it's in a battle, you know, we've often said it like this. Jesus said, uh, we often say it like Jesus said it. He said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. But he said, render unto God the things that are God's. And when they cross, then you must. In other words, God's thing is going right straight along here. And when Caesar crosses that, then we have to continue with God and forget about Caesar. Okay? Caesar just representing natural things here. Okay? Whereas God represents the spiritual things. When it gets into your computer like mine, that the things of God are the important things, that they are vital, that they are life to me. These things are life to me. There's a, something's hanging in the balance, life and death for me to have. That woman was saying if I don't get to him and I'm going to die here. I've been to every kind of thing. I've, I've had x-rays. I've had MRIs. I've had all kinds of tests. They made me fast and drink some milky chalky stuff and then took my x-ray. All kinds of things. Needles they put in me. Things that they've done. Drawn blood run tested. This did that. And she said I'm not in. They took all my money. I'm not any better, but I'm growing worse here. I'm getting sicker by the day. And one day she heard. Somebody told her. Somebody witnessed. And her faith leaped up in her heart. And she said, if I see the crowd. I see all the things between me and him. But if I could press my way, this is vitally important. At some point, her vital organs were going to shut down. At some point, her liver and her pancreas and her heart and then her brain wasn't going to work. Everything was going to like lights going out one at a time in her brain. The computer was just going to begin to shut down and shut down and shut down. And as it shut down, different things in her body were going to shut down. And she was losing her life's uh, blood and it was hemorrhaging out of her. She was in bad shape and she was critical and she knew it and I'm sure that she was saying after she touched him after she was made completely whole why did I wait? Why did I go to him first? Why didn't I just have faith in the beginning? And Why did I waste all that time? Why did I let myself get distracted? Why did I listen to everybody else? My God how good I feel I have been healed. The blood staunched and stopped and my organ are working. This is a vitally important thing to get born again, to get the Holy Ghost. Amen. This becomes a, a vital process. I read about a man one time that was a heart surgeon and uh, he came upon a young girl and uh, actually it was his daughter she had fallen ill right in the middle of the public like a restaurant she just fell on the ground and he was there standing there and he took a look and he began to check her eyes and certain for certain vital signs certain important signals and he realized right away my god she needs a heart operation and he he looked around he had he didn't have any instruments Certainly nothing even close to being sanitized. And he actually took a, a filler to a ballpoint pen and took it out and used it to make an incision. And he reached in there and he massaged her heart and he got her heart going. 
and gave time for them to take her to an emergency room and get her in a proper table and a proper operating theater where he could do the rest of the job properly. What I'm trying to say to you, he saw how vital it was, how important it was to react right then. If you and I, how about the guy on the side of the road and he's blind, he cannot see. He doesn't see the sun. He hasn't seen the moon, the stars. He didn't know what color suit anybody was wearing. He's just blind and he's just sitting there. And all of a sudden, though, there's nothing wrong with his hearing. And he hears this crowd. He hears this press. He hears this throng and the the what's the funny word? Cacophony. All the different sounds like an orchestra warming up, coming together. And here's all of that. And he says to somebody nearby, he says, hey, what's going on? And they said, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And immediately he began to cry out, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I tell you, he wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't going to be held down. And the Lord said, what will you have me do? And he said, I want to see. I want to see. I want to see. It's a vital importance here. It's a vital importance. He knew how important it was to be able to see, and he couldn't see. The little woman knew how important it was to get what she needed, and she said, I'm, I'm going to press in to this. I'm not going to stand in the back of the back of the back, you know, I could have told you how that the blind man on the side of the road was told to shut up, how he was told to be quiet, how the throng didn't want to let that woman through, you know, but these were people. So I, uh, Luke chapter 19 tells you about a, a little old guy. His name was Zacchaeus. And they even made a song about him, called him a wee little man. Well, I think wee has a different meaning nowadays. But anyway, he was short. He was a little guy. And the crowd, the crowd, the throng, the press was gigantic. And here he is. And you know, the Bible said he was rich. He was rich. But right that day, he wasn't counting his money. Right at that moment, his money didn't mean much to him at all. And, and, and what he needed, money couldn't buy. And, and he said, I got I to gotta see. You know, he was jumping. I want to see. I want to see. Kind of looked like some of the smaller ones up here when we we're going to have baptism, Right? And they're jumping, and what do they do? They do just what he did. And only we don't have any trees, really, live ones. And we sure don't have a sycamore tree, but that's what Zacchaeus went and found him, a sycamore tree. And he climbed up in that tree, and he said, now I can see him. You want to get to a place where you can see this. You want to get to a place where you can move out the cobwebs and the unbelief and the doubt and the fear and the overgrowth of so many different voices and things coming into your head and this one saying do this and this one saying do this. You want to rise above that and he got above it all. He got above the doubts and the fears and the unbelief and the people running their mouth and mocking and saying all kinds of things. People with ulterior motives come over here, come over here, come over here, go over there, do this, do that, do the other and he climbed up he got above it all and he got himself a crystal clear view of salvation and salvation came right to him looked him in the eyeballs and said you come on with me because I'm going to your house say what about you getting the salvation that Jesus is offering today what about doing something so what should I do well, the first thing you need to do is repent. That's what the Bible said, to repent. He 
said, and if you don't do that, you're going to perish. If you don't do this, little woman, you're going to bleed out. You're going to die. It's of vital importance here. Jesus said, except you repent. That's the same word, except you repent. It is an essential. It is a requirement. It's kind of like the lady that made an apple pie and forgot to, or a cake. Maybe she made a cake and she forgot to put in the flour. I think she made a pie one time and forgot to put in the sugar. That's okay because Pastor Harper got all that sugar and he put it in his carrot cake. Love that carrot cake. Told him not to bring me any and he brought me a whole bushel basket this morning. Talking about temptation of the flesh. There's an ingredient. The prophet in the Old Testament walked up on a scene. People were sitting around screaming, crying, rolling, hollering, upset because they'd put together a meal and the, there was death in that meal. And they were gagging and they had stomach viruses and they had all kinds of problems. I won't go into that and make you sick so early in the morning. But they, didn't, they weren't happy. And they began to cry and the prophet walked up and he said, what's the problem here? And they said, there's death death in that cauldron there's death in that pot there's death in that meal and he took an ingredient and added it to it and everything was okay there's a missing ingredient there's a lot of people screaming and hollering and saying a lot of things but let me tell you there's this thing called truth You've got to have the proper ingredient here. You've got to have the proper formula here. There are people that want to take God out of the picture. Imagine that woman get pressing her way, fighting through 350-pound guys. Get out of my way. You work, you, you run, you're, you're with the NFL. Get out of my way. I'm going to him. I'm going to him. I'm, I'll crawl between your legs if I have to, but I'm going to him. You'd be surprised at things we have to crawl through in our minds, in our hearts things that we have to fight our way through, the walls that we build and that other things build. Got through all of that. You got to fight through your upbringing. You can't help it if you were raised a certain way, you were exposed to certain things, you were taught certain things. But we're looking for that ingredient. What did it say? The seed fell on that good ground. And he said, that's the one out of the four ground types of soil, four types of ground. That was the only one that was called good ground. And he said, and these, he expounded that, and he explained, he said, these are they that in a good and honest heart. That ingredient of honesty. You know, I remember when I started asking questions, and, they, and they'd say, well, here, look, look and read it. Read this chapter and verse, and I'd read it. And there it was right there. Now, you know, see, that's the point where you can either be honest or dishonest, where you, you can go take a high-flying three-and-a-half backflip with a half-twist right into the river of denial right about then and just deny what you're seeing you know and reading or you can be honest you know and you can say how come they never taught me that <laughs> you know there it is right there right there in the book right there in the word of God but your honesty becomes an avenue for revelation your honesty your, your hunger your thirst for what's right for what's of God for the truth is what enables the light to come on through and that's why when Jesus came into a certain region and it was foretold of him that he would come into that region that was dark, great darkness would be upon the land. But it said great light would spring up. The light came in and those that were opening their hearts 
their, their spiritual senses for this light to come in. And then they begin to see things and they begin to hear things. They begin to experience things and they were the right things. They were. I told somebody this morning, I said somebody was, uh, what was the word they used? Not flipping out, but something, uh, losing it, something wailing and travailing over change. And I said, well, you just need to tell the person that, that there is such a thing as change for the good. <laughs> we don't change just to change. You know, It's not a game. We change for the good here. Repentance is what you start doing, and that's a change in the right direction. That means you tell God you're sorry. That means you quit running away from God. That means you quit arguing, quarreling, and trying to play chess with God, you know, and, and trying to outmaneuver, in other words, God. You quit doing all of that. You quit uh, making excuses and rationalizations knowing that he knows the heart and he knows when people are self-justifying, rationalizing. And he said, that's an abomination in my eyes. I want honesty. I'm looking for the good ground. I want to drop my precious seed into the good ground. And I want everything to jump back and get out of the way and let that seed do its job. It's going to come up out of there. And that person is going to have a good change in their life. They're going to no longer have a desire for the world spirit for the sinful things but they're going to have a desire for the Holy Spirit and for the holy things they're going to want what God has they're going to get purpose they're going to get direction they're going to see that there's a path that I can go I don't have to wind up pregnant at 13 years old or 15 years old and never have a good loving husband I can start thinking now let me get in the church let God give me a good Holy Ghost man let God give a good Holy Ghost man a good Holy Ghost woman let God begin to do things. Let him give you a good job and a good income that you'll know what to do with it. Let him put a roof over your head. Let him begin to put your life in order and it will make sense and you will not be some wandering star tripping and stumbling and blown about with every false doctrine. You no longer will be confused. You know what you have. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. This is vitally important. So you need some vital activity. You need life-giving activity. You need to realize that you've got to get active here. You've got you to just go for it. You gotta, the woman made a run, probably on her spindly little legs, made a run for Jesus. She wasn't worried about linebackers and, and defensive linemen. or She wasn't worried about uh, bargain basement goodwill shopping women that'll fight you over every little thing they'll take it right out of your basket she wasn't worried about that she said I'm, I know where I'm going I know exactly right right now I know exactly what I need to do and I'm going to ride this wave of inspiration for all it's worth and I'm going to coast myself and surf myself right down onto the beach of Jesus Christ and I am going to grab the hem of his garment and I am going to get an experience here that's going to change my life. The change begins with you believing and repenting. You continue to believe and we will baptize you in water in the name of Jesus Christ and your sins will be fully pardoned. And when you come up out of the water from that moment on, you become a candidate. Now somebody said, okay, I'm there but I don't have the Holy Ghost. You got to get vitally active. You can't play patty cake with him. You can't hold back in your mind on him. You can't, well, I will if. There ain't no if. That's why little wee Mr. Zacchaeus messed up. He said, if I've done anything. What do you mean if? Don't mess it all up. 
You just cough it all up. I have said it wrong. I have thought it wrong. I have done it wrong. I have missed. I have sat down. I have shrunk back. I have turned right and I have turned left and I have been in retreat. I've been a wandering star and I've chased everything else. Jesus said, I healed 10 of you folks. He said, where's the other nine? You're the only one to come back? You know? Where he, he knew that the nine did, got the same thing and didn't come back to say boo, didn't say nothing. Just ran with it and took off and acted like they did it all. You know? How important for us. There is a vital process here. It is, it is a process. You can be seated. It is a process. You've got to be born again, Jesus said. I'm saying it your way. You've got to be born again. There just is no other way. According to chapter and verse. God's mind. He's the lawgiver. He's the commander in chief. Above 500 he takes out there. Tells them to go receive the Holy Ghost. And approximately 380 of them just turn around and give Jesus the back, the cold shoulder. Turn their back on. One of our teachers the other day told a young man, said, don't you turn your back on me. That's very, very, very insulting. And uh, we should have better manners, right? And we certainly want to have better manners with Jesus. They turned their back on him. And they walked away from him. The words coming out of his mouth, receive you the Holy Ghost. And he blessed them. Gave them a little, a little appetizer, a little blessing. They walked away from him. They turned away from what would have been the greatest blessing that their life or any other life could ever know. And they went back to the junk of this world. They went back to confusion and falsehood, things that were, you know, people want to say you're old and antiquated. No, no, no. What, what became old and antiquated and unable to do the job was the Old Testament, was the law. That's what became old and antiquated because it was lacking in power. It was like a beautiful machine. We'll call it a, a super Concorde plane or something or a space shuttle, but it had no fuel. It wasn't going anywhere. It was lacking an ingredient here. It was a blueprint. It was a schoolmaster. It was designed to bring them to right where they were at, and they missed it. They said, we're going back. We're going to sit in our car. I read about a man. That we, he was, um, they would go out at night, and, and he would sit in his broken-down car in his backyard with the weeds growing over and the cats running all over it and he would sit there in the car sit there. now he's not going anywhere in that car you see because the car the engine is gone and there's no fuel in that engine probably wasn't any oil in that engine sounds like Patrick excuse me kidding you Patrick my brother I love my brother but I got to help the man check the oil alright everybody said praise the Lord well you better check your spiritual oil that's the most important oil that's the Holy Ghost and the Bible said, the Bible said very plainly that Jesus told them to go do a thing, and they turned their back on him. They said, no way, no how. I'm out of here. And they went back to the same old lifestyle. And said, only The problem is when you go back to the same old lifestyle, it gets worse. It, it's a downhill situation, and it gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. And you get more entangled, and you get more addicted, and you get more deceived, and you get more miserable, and you get more trouble, and you get the sorrow of this world and it just weights you down and loads you down and ties you up and messes you up. And all the while, then he comes along and he tries to help you rationalize everything. Tries to help you explain, you know, it's really not me, it's the other guy. Poor little old me. I didn't, do, I didn't hurt nobody. You know, all kinds of things that people say, you know. Let me tell you something. If you die, somebody's going to hurt. Somebody's going to hurt. Somebody cares about you. Somebody has your, your best interests at heart. Somebody, more than likely, 
and probably unawares to you is praying for you. You know, it will hurt people. So don't ever say, I'm not hurting anybody. When you're doing wrong, you're hurting somebody. And if you might even be hurting people you don't even know, okay, by your bad example, by not being a positive contributor. The Bible did talk about a certain contribution. There is a contribution that you want to make to God's world, and he most especially wants you to contribute the light and the truth of his word. He wants you by example to step up to the mark like about 120 did. The, 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 you couldn't see the 380 anymore. They were gone and they were forgotten. No reason you know anything about it is because I'm mentioning it to you. There's no names of them we have, but you go to that upper room and chapter 1 of the book of Acts tells you about that 120 and name some of them by name. And they gathered together in that upper room. They did what Jesus said. They threw down all of the rationalizations and casted down unbelief and tromped on fear and doubt. And they went a half a mile further. Seems like a little small. You'd be surprised. Jesus told one individual, you're not far from the kingdom of God. It told you another place to feel after God. He's not far from any, draw nigh or near to him and he'll draw near to you this is not a discouraging thing this is not something that is out of your grasp or out of your reach that woman looked at a tremendous crowd and said I can reach him I can get a hold of him I can cross that border from natural into spiritual I can do this I'm gonna do this one man they shut him, tried to shut him down but he cried the louder cried the louder oh yeah oh yeah well, there's people go to ball games and cry loud. People that lose their voices. People that talk about talk about what they paint their faces and their whole bodies all kinds of different colors. They dress up in crazy costumes and they wear silly things on their head and they act like big jerks. Well, I just said it that way so you could identify. Okay. But get excited about something that you know that's not important. It doesn't matter if that team loses, unless you're betting heavy on them now. Some people do. Some people lose a whole lot. Some people lose their lives. They get so indebted to their bookies. You know, if they can't get the money out of them, they'll take something else, like your heart. Be that as it may, I'm saying to you that it's not vitally important here which team wins. It doesn't matter how, how many points they win or lose by. But the world, that's their church. They assemble 90 and 100,000 strong, or they sit in front of the boob tube 1 billion strong, probably in a week or so, you know. And, of course, there'll be guys in the pulpit that will open their coat to reveal the jersey of their team. Oh, yeah. And there'll be those that cancel Sunday night service on that certain night and set up the big screen. Peanuts, popcorn, anyone? Oh, yeah. But that's not important. I tell you, that is not important. I'm telling you to be born. Gee, I'm going to tell you what Jesus said is important. To be born again of water and of the Spirit. That's vitally important. There's a vital process here. It's repentance. It's get baptized in Jesus' name and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's vitally important. That's a vital, life-giving, it's life or death here. And you got to envision it as such. I'm going to close my little portion here.
while you're standing, she's getting ready to sing us a good song, and we're going to worship with her. And that is having another definition. Every, everybody presseth into it, he said. He said the law was to a certain time, he said, but now, matter of fact, he even used a past tense word. That was in the past tense. He said, we're in the now tense. And for you, it's right now. That's how you have to look at it. And he said, you press into it. That means it has immediate importance. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next month. Not next year. But it has immediate importance. The, the, the impact on you is so great that you respond in a positive way. That you get with it. That you begin to give yourself to him so he can give you the gift of eternal life. He wants to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You get moved so much that you say, I want to be baptized now. Baptize me now. I want all my sins forgiven and washed away and sent away and remembered no more. I want to do this now. I want now faith operating on me. I want that kind of impact. I cannot sit back. I don't want to get in my car and drive off. I don't want to think about what's going on the rest of the day. I want to to have an immediate impact. It's so vital. I need a vital action here. I need somebody pressing through the press. I need somebody crying loudly, not afraid to lift up their voice. This is not, dear Jesus, now I lay me down to sleep. My hope is on. You know, that's okay for a two-year-old. You know, our kids, are three, four, five, and ten, they pray better than that. And they're not praying the same old prayer. They're learning to pray from their heart right here. It's not fancy words. It's not great metaphors and picturesque things. It's you talking to God. And you, you realize how important it is that without you, I won't have life. Without you, I'm going to wind up world without end in the most miserable of all conditions. And there'll be no way out without you. You're vital to me, Lord, and, I, and it requires a vital action, a vital activity here on your part that you've got to make a move. You've got to put yourself into this, you know. Come on. Some of you men are stronger than a little old woman making her way through a crowd, you know. you got to. I've seen big grown men, and they, and they say, I'm going to church. I, I went to this church, and they, they preached, and it was right, and I, I saw it in the Bible, and Wow. And here's this little old four-foot-two woman. You ain't going back to that church no more. You ain't going out. Yes, dear. Okay. You know? Well, we got to get a little more oomph about us on that one. We got to get a little more motivated about that. You know? we, got to, we got to tell ourselves this is important. They told him to shut up. He cried the louder. They told her to keep back, get back, and go to one, another one of your physicians. She said, uh-uh, I know exactly the direction I'm going. I know exactly what I need to do, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You know, if you want it bad enough, you're going to do it. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna lift up your voice. You're going to open your heart. You're going you're gonna to display a hunger. Hey, they had a, four grown men had a man on a pallet. And that guy, they brought him to Jesus. They knew where to go, and they knew it was going to be all right. And this guy couldn't get up. He couldn't walk. Nothing was happening. Things were shutting down. And they brought him to Jesus. The only problem is they couldn't get to Jesus. And so they all said, dropped him on the ground. And they said, oh, I guess we'll go take a Burger King break. Where's that Wendy's? 
take a little break here. No, that's not what they did. They had that guy, and they said, well, we're not going to let the press stop us. We're not going to let things get between us and, and getting you to what you need. We're bearing the burden here. We're under the load. We're not going to let pride. We're not going to let our ego get in the way. We're not going to let all these different things that can attack you get in the way. We're going up on the roof, and we're going we're gonna to get up there. Hey, you got a hammer? No. What do you got? I, I'm just going to beat the dog out of that roof. I'm going to get that roof open, and we're going to drop this dude right down at the feet of the master, and then everything will be okay. We'll worry about the roof later. We'll fix the roof later, but we got to get it finally and partner. We don't want to lose this individual. want to get him to the feet of the master. And of course, everybody has things all figured out their own way. My God, I took a long time. We, we're going we, we're to take him and we're going to put him at his feet. And, and, you know, everybody had it premeditated. They saw it going in their mind. Jesus would go, and he'd get up and he'd leap and he'd dance. And he'd, ah, you know? <laughs> it didn't happen that way. Jesus said, hey, your sins are forgiven. And the balloon, the air just went, Phew. you need to know how vitally important it is. To get baptized in Jesus' name. Get all those sins taken care of. All that stuff taken care of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just get it all taken care of. One beautiful going down in the water and leaving that old nasty nature buried with Jesus Christ. And you coming up born again of water. And life is ready to start all new for you. And oh, you're going to get delivered from all them bad habits and all those things you wrestle with and that bother you and make trouble for you and trip you up. Oh, yeah. And you're going to get the gift of the Holy Ghost. And you're not going to listen to the devil that tells you, you ain't going to get it. You ain't good enough. You're not doing this right. Stand up, sit down, turn right, turn left. You know, it ain't about any of that. It's just about you realizing in your heart that I have, this is going to happen because of him. It's a free gift. He's going to give it to me. Amen. I'm going to present myself to him. And if I have to cry loud, I'll cry loud. You know, they told about one woman said she was all sophisticated, always looking down her nose at everybody, you know. It's a good thing that she had the nose down because if she'd had it up when it rained, she would have drowned it. But uh, anyway, she said she wasn't going to get the Holy Ghost like everybody else. She'd seen people shout and dance, and it's not just the shout and dance. She'd seen other people get the Holy Ghost and just speak forth in another language and, and not move really a muscle, you know. Uh, God has, like I said, you can get it all premeditated. The only thing that matters is that you're going to speak in another language as a spirit. That's the first and initial sign. That's the constant. That's going to happen, okay? Some people prophesy uh, along with speaking in tongues. And, and some people shout and dance. Some people jump up and down. Some people are on their knees weeping, you know. There are different manifestations that are, are allowed to be biblically. But there is one manifest, and they can be changed and alternated and, and, and in and out. But there is one thing that is always there, and that is you will speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit gives you the ability. It is Him coming into your believing heart, speaking through you as you confess that He is Lord, He is Savior, He is God, and as you pray. Praise him mightily in another language. And that's what you want to keep in mind. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. I know I was going to say something else, but it went. And so did the time. I love you all. Evangelist is going to be a little limited in minutes this morning, but that's all right. We're going to work with them. And we're going to have a good rest of this service. And I want your heart to be open to the Lord. Okay, let your heart be open to the Lord. 
And if it's having trouble open, ask God. I know what I was going to tell you about that snooty woman. And God gave that snooty woman the Holy Ghost on Main Street. You know? I remember somebody telling me about their mom shouting and dancing in the, in the grocery store and knocked all the cans over. You know? I'm not advocating go do that. But I am just telling you that you can get things all figured out in your little old peanut brain, and God will shock you till he knocks your socks off. Yes. You know? He can do that. And he is God. He is great and he is mighty. And he's not out to embarrass anybody. But you got to get over embarrassment. You got to get over that feeling that the devil puts on you. You're going to be humiliated. Ain't nothing going to happen to you, but what everybody around here is going to be thrilled about it. It's, going, it's like Christmas every day. <laughs> Angels rejoice. Everybody's happy. You know, come on now. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Let's worship him. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. Give him the glory. Give him the praise as he woke me up this morning and he started me on my way. Give him the glory. Give him the praise. You gotta give him the glory. Give him the praise. Give him the glory. Give him the praise as he woke me I've got a 
all, let's worship the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Your Holy Ghost, your power, God. Thank you, Lord, for caring for us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit, Jesus, that's here in this place, God. Minister, oh, Lord, on every need, Jesus. We need your salvation. We need your Holy Ghost, Lord. Each and every day, dear God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This time we want our ushers to come. Everyone say, God bless the offering in Jesus. Worship the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. 
Oh, you are worthy and you are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm excited about what God's getting ready to do in this house. What he's already done and what he's going to continue to do this morning. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn your attention to the book of Mark. Chapter number 12. Amen. We're going to look at verse 43. And it reads, And he called unto his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. There are words in the Scripture that we need to pay attention to. Many words, but there are some words that we have to focus in on. Words like must and shall. These words mean that there is something that needs to follow after what they say. When somebody, like senior pastor already said, you must, when somebody tells you something, you do it. It is an action of doing what it's saying. The Bible is very clear on telling us and showing us things that we need to do and things that we must do if we want to go to heaven. And we want to go to heaven. We want to be ready this morning to meet God. This woman in the scripture that we just read, she had a need in her life. And she came in and she casted the scripture, said all that she had, even all of her living, she put it in. She was not holding anything in reserve. She was not keeping anything to fall back on if things didn't work out. But everything she had, she was investing. We won't look at this this morning in a financial aspect, but in a spiritual aspect. These people were standing there watching her in their mind, thinking, oh, look at her. Oh, well, she, 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 poor little thing there. But they are so ignorant in what they're thinking because she realized the importance of what was going on there. And they're looking and saying, well, I'm just going to give a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But she came and poured everything she had because she knew that was her only chance. She knew that's where her blessing came from. She understood that that two that she had came from the Lord. And so she was going ahead and give it on back. You've got to understand this day that God has woke you up. He has given you everything that you have for the purpose in which to worship Him with it. He's not giving us this chance for us to set back. He's not giving us this chance to say, oh, another time, another day. But He said, no, no, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Hallelujah. I'm going to take everything that the Lord has given me and invest it into his kingdom. I don't need anything else. There's no reason for me in my mind to hold things back for another occasion. The devil makes us think that, that oh, you can't do that, and, and that's, that's not the way it's done. Well, in your natural mind and makeup, that's exactly what you're going to think. 
but we're not dealing with natural here. We're dealing with spiritual. And your spiritual mind has got to be released this morning. Your natural makeup, who's sitting right here right now, wants to just, you know, take it all in and, and kind of study a little bit. Not real sure of how everything works and what's going on, but your spiritual inside man or woman is crying out, I need that. I need that. And it's our responsibility to let it receive what it needs. Amen. I don't want to hold back my mind this morning and not receive the touch that I need from the Holy Ghost because I'm afraid. There's a, and the, I was reading this morning about Gideon. The Bible says that when the angel of the Lord came and spoke to Gideon, he was a little frightened. And the Bible says that he wasn't real sure. And so he tested to see if it was, in fact, what God wanted him to do. Because what God wanted him to do, he understood that a lot of people were going to get upset. Because he was going to go knock down their supposed God. And he said, he, under, he knew, oh, they're going to be mad at me if I do this. So I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the right thing here. So he tested God once. And then he said, Lord, please don't get mad at me. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'm going to make sure of what this thing's all about before I go and do it. And that just shows that sometimes we're not real sure of how everything is going on. And we're not real sure how everything fits in. But it does fit in. God had a plan for him. And he understood after he saw it the second time, he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go do it now because I know without a doubt you want me to do this. And sometimes in our life we've just got to see it. And we've just got to have the faith to understand what God's doing and how it's going to work. Because it works. Every time it works. And that's another wonderful blessing about the Word of God. It works on both sides of it. Sometimes it convicts us up one side and down the other, and the other side we stand upon it because of the promises that He has given to us. It must happen both ways. When He says He's going to do it, and then sometimes it comes from the conviction side, meaning he's going to, he's going to, um, your sins are going to be accounted for. You're going to have to wash away those sins. And that convicts us because we have sin. And we understand we need to do something about it. But at the same time, after God has washed away our sins, it is a promise he's given to us. It's an uplifting that he gives to us. And it's something that we can stand upon. Gideon knew after that God's going to bring it past. He knows. He knew, oh, okay, if I do the work of God, if I invest in God, then it's going to happen the way that it needs to be. It's all going to work out. It doesn't matter if everybody comes against me. It doesn't matter if everybody tries everything against me. And that's why when God tested him and, and took away all the men but 300, he didn't care because he knew who was on his side. And it doesn't matter what it looks like when you know that God's on your side. Amen. There's a woman that came to Jesus one time, and she came into the house. She began to cry upon Jesus' feet, began to worship him, cry out to him. And people are looking at her like, what is he doing? He's letting this woman, just and a sinner woman, come in here and do this to him, and, and he can't be what he says he is. And Jesus said, who do you guys think you are? He said, I've come into your house. You've not washed, given me water for my feet. And this lady has cried before me. And she has washed my feet and she has dried it with the hairs of her head. And he asked him, he said, you know, he went through the account. He said, if, you know, the more that someone's forgiven something, the more they're going to worship, the more they're going to be thankful for. 
He said, this woman does have a lot of sin, but I will forgive her for her sin. And you've got to understand that lady realized her need. She understood that Jesus was the only one that was going to be able to take care of her problem. And that's why it didn't matter. She knew she was walking into a situation where people were going to look down at her. People were going to say stuff about her. But she didn't care because she knew who she was worshiping. And she knew what he was going to do for her. And so it didn't matter what it looked like. She knew, I'm going to get what I need. And I'm going to go in there. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to fall before him. I'm going to cry out to him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the woman, and in the scripture said, Jesus said to her, Thy faith has saved thee. Thy faith. She had the faith to stand upon. Just enough to be able to say, You know, everyone's saying this, everyone's saying that. I'm going to do it. I can do it. His word told me it can happen. You know, sometimes I was teaching a Bible study the other day and Sometimes teach somebody and, and you feel like it's not getting through to them. You feel like it's it's something's blocking it. Something it's hitting up a, a wall sometimes. Sometimes I feel if I preach to a brick wall, something more would happen. Because that's exactly what some people's minds are. They're just a brick wall and they can't allow anything to get in there. You know this morning that we're dealing with a big issue here. We're not dealing with what we're having for lunch, and we're not dealing with what's going on after service, but we're dealing with eternity. Eternity! That's not something you can go back and change later. It's a done deal. What you do right now, the decisions that you make, the places that you go, the company that you keep, that's going to affect you. And to come into an atmosphere and just block yourself up and not allow the Holy Ghost to move into your heart, that's going to affect you. Because you're not going to be able to see the revelation that God has for you. <clears throat> I, I Sometimes I, I prayed the other day and, and God touched my heart because I, was, I had fear in my heart. You know, I said, God, I'm doing everything that I can, and I'm trying to witness to everybody I can. I'm trying to live my life the best that I can. I said, but what if I slip up? What if I, I have a bad day or whatever the case is, and I allow something to take my mind into a place it shouldn't go? What if? I don't want that. I said, God, please convict my heart. Please show me what I need to do. Show me anything that's hindering me, anything that's keeping me from being what I need to be. Because I understand this morning, there is a need in this place. In my life, I've got to get a hold of Him. I've got to get my heart in the right place. My mind has got to be focused on the right things. Because I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss heaven because I'm so wrapped up in something else. So wrapped up in what I'm driving or where I'm living or what my account is or what is and what that. Who cares? I'm worried about my heart this morning. I'm worried about my, my heart being full of the Holy Ghost and my sins being washed away by His precious blood. That's it. That's the priority list. That's on top of the list. And that stays on top of the list.
Everything else the scripture said, it's going to pass away. It's, going to not, it's not going to do you any good whatsoever. But yet, we think it's so important. And we put it up on our list and we, we, we chase after it. We sell out for it. We make it our lifestyle because we want to fit in. Fit in with what? With sinners? People that are blind in darkness? That you want to blend in with that? No, I don't want to blend in with that. God has called me and separated me. He has chosen me and you to be a vessel that he can use. I'm thankful to be called this morning to be a vessel that God saw fit to show his truth to. And I'm not going to allow the devil to tell me anything. I'm not going to allow the devil to say, sit down and don't do that and don't do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen. That's my eternity. That, that's my eternity. That's my salvation. The devil wants you to sit there. The devil wants you to say, that's not mine. I can't have that and all this kind of stuff. And God's trying with every tool he has to show you, this is your ticket. This is your way. This is what you need. But we've got to open up and accept it and stop worrying about everything else. The lady brought with the alabaster box, brought it to Jesus. And she came, broke it above him and let the oil fall down on him. And people said, why was this waste of atonement made? Why? was why She's wasting it. And Jesus said, no, she's not. She's preparing me. She's, she's helping me get ready. And yet some people may say, this is a waste. And some people may say, oh, that's just, that, that's foolishness. Well, that's what they said about them worshiping when they got the Holy Ghost. They said they had lost their minds. Let them say whatever they want to say because I'm going to make sure I'm going to heaven. I'm going to make sure I'm lining up with every single crossing of the T and dotting of the I. I'm making sure that I've got everything crossed and dotted and made ready in my heart. I want this this morning. I want it. I want it enough to throw everything in and not look back at anything. That's what Jesus told them when he brought them out of Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't look back. There's nothing there you need. Don't even worry about it. Just, I'm bringing you into a place of promise. I'm bringing you out of that garbage. So don't worry about it. And that's that simple of not looking back. Don't worry about it. If God sees fit for you to have again, he'll bring it to you again. But if not, hey, don't ask questions. You're not the boss. He's the boss. He's the one calling the shots. So line up with his shots. Line up with what he's showing you. Stop trying to show yourself. Stop trying to, you know, make your own way. Stop trying. That's all it is. Stop trying. Let God do it. He wants to do it. He's looking to do it. So just let him do it. Open up your heart and just let him do it. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to let it pass me by. I'm not going to take it for granted, but I'm going to receive it because it's a promise. Once again, in the Bible, he said, you get baptized in Jesus' name, and it is a promise that you're going to receive it. And not only to you, but to your children and to all them that are far off. And I'm going to claim what is mine. I'm going to claim it. 
and I'm going to take it. I'm going to run with it. I'm going to preach it. I'm going to live it. It's going to be everything to me because I know it's my only chance. I know it's all that I have. There isn't anything in this world that can give me what the Holy Ghost gives me. There isn't anything in this world that can save my soul. And so for that, I pour myself out into His kingdom. Let's worship the Lord. Let's call upon Him right now. Get your mind to understand you need what's in this house right now. You need what you feel. It doesn't matter if you're a little frightened. It doesn't matter. God's going to fill you. If you step out by faith and believe, He can do it. Hallelujah. I want somebody to come to this altar in faith believing this morning. Somebody that comes down and says, I'm going to get what I need. I know God can do it. He already promised it to me. And I'm going to come claim what's mine. Let's come and praise Him right now. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to Come on, be. let's come and gather around. Everybody's welcome. Here Family prayer. Time to talk to God. Be a part. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that. Come on now. Holy art thou, Lord. Holy art thou, Lord. All together worthy. All together wonderful to Call on that name. Beautiful name of Jesus. Name above every name. Come on, Lord, and touch these hearts. Touch these lives this morning. I praise the Lord and I worship. I bless your holy name. God, you know we need your touch. We need your spirit and your power, Lord, your grace and your love. Pouring out your spirit on these hearts. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. Come on down. 